I'm going to edit this part of the show. <laughs> Sounded like a real Chris. Yeah, no kidding. Who's the Chris now? Chris. Hello and welcome to What's the Deal? The Seinfeld Review Show that's just absolutely killing it. Each week we dissect every episode of Seinfeld in chronological order. With me today, as always, is Patrick Armstrong. Hello. And Christopher Young. Hello. I'm Cameron Wong and this is episode 54. And today we'll be looking at season 4, episode 15, The Visa. Now, despite my saying that we record the show every single week, uh, this is the beginning of what we have now decided is season three of What's the Deal show, as we have uh, decided to once again take an unannounced long summer hiatus. But we're back. Mm-hmm. Why do you have to lie to our viewers, Cameron? Uh, well, to not hurt them. Fair. What am I lying to them about? Every week. You just said it. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's it's the intro. He's coming clean now. I guess. Uh, so, Patrick Armstrong, how how was your summer? Mm, humid. It's good. You know, relaxing. It's hard to believe it's been the whole summer since we recorded an episode. Uh, the current date is Monday, September 1st at... Mm-hmm. Uh, 7 18 p.m pacific so the the whole summer is basically expended mm-hmm. it's labor day all swept up in uh back to school fever last week was frosh week this week back to school now are you taking a pledge pledge you know i think i'm done with the uh the whole fraternity game i'm out of the greeks it's a shame Mm-hmm. Did you guys, did any of you ever do any of that frosh stuff? No. Like in your never university? never in a fraternity. Wait, you but don't... I mean, it, you, like, but there's lots of frosh stuff that happens just first year regardless. It's not about yeah. it. It's like before, yeah. orient, it's like orientation week, right? That's true. No, I didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't do any uh, of that it was stuff. Like, yeah, it was like two years before I realized what the hell that stuff was. Well, see, the first year <laughs> I went... I was, I was like the beginning of third year, and I'm like, oh, that's what that... I missed that, that week of, uh, of school. I mean, also, the, big, I was... the big sign that's like, welcome, freshman, activities this way. And Chris is like, yeah. what's that all about? What's that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, was, going... I, was, I was 27, so I probably shouldn't have partaken <laughs> anyway. It would have been weird. I keep, probably, going between, too. I keep going between seeing Frosh Week activities like something I feel like I missed out on and something I would have hated. It's, I feel both ways. It's both of those things. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, um, you know, there's lots of movies about uh, college and the whole, you know, frat experience and going to weird parties and stuff. So I feel like I can just watch those. And, you know, during my my next potential frosh week, uh, mm-hmm. I'll watch those on Netflix. Just while... watch uh, Rodney Dangerfield's Back to School. Yeah, watch Back to School. Watch maybe a little Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, Real uh, Genius. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can watch. Monsters University. What? Mm-hmm. Babe. Mm-hmm. Really? Babe? <laughs> yeah, he goes really? to Bovine University. Chris Young, how was, uh, how was your summer? 
Oh, it was good. I spent uh, spent the whole summer in Vancouver. Ah, uh, yes, was, uh, the city of angels. It is. Uh, it is frequently. It's usually recalled, uh, referred to as the windy city of angels. But I mean, you can abbreviate it to that if you'd like. Maybe, maybe when Chris Young's in town. Am, am I right? Uh huh. Uh huh. Because because the gas. Is that a fart joke? It's a, it's a fart joke. Is that a angeling angel fart joke? It's a good one. It was good. Everyone everyone got it. Um, it's been a nice summer. I've been happy to be here. I bought know. a bike. Rode my bike a lot. And uh, now I'm moving back to Toronto in uh, three days. You must be uh, self-hating. I mean, yeah, I am. So, wait, are you going back to school? Yeah, I have, I have a year left. Doesn't school start tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, I don't take it very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you can see what why I missed Frosh Week. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as, as Chris sees the, like, tattered sign blowing around in the wind. It's like, huh, I wonder if that's something I missed. Oh, my. Um, well, you know, I also had a great summer. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. What'd you do? I taught summer school. Mm. Oh, like the Mark Harmon classic, summer school. <laughs> just like that. And then I spent the month of August just relaxing, and it was it was nice. Uh, I I made a steak in a cast iron skillet tonight. Wow. Didn't you also have a steak last night? I did, and I bought the cast iron skillet because I started a grease fire trying to cook that steak last night. Mm. I was pretty sad. Uh, the yeah, there, there's there's a a very momentary uh, kick of flame uh, when I had the steak in the oven, and my first thought was this wouldn't have happened if I just bought a cast iron skillet. So I went and bought one today, and I cooked. Wait, the... wait, wait, wait! Why couldn't it have happened in a cast iron skillet? Because I wouldn't have needed to use the sort of like level of oil uh, that I felt that I had to in the oven. I see. Wait, so you had a pan full of oil under the broiler? No. I had... I, I So I, I seared the steak in a frying pan. And then I put it onto like a baking sheet with tin foil on it with a bit of oil on it. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the oil on the tin foil. Uh, say there was a little flame. Just a little guy. So was your steak ruined? Actually, no, the steak was fine. Uh, I I caught it, like, literally the second it happened, and it was immediately extinguished, and then I I just finished the steak in the frying pan, and it was, it was actually very good. Well, welcome to the cast iron life. Yeah, it's good. I, uh, I seasoned it this afternoon, and then uh, I cooked with it this evening. Wow. By the way, we're, yeah. we're now calling it cast iron country. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. This podcast, it's a new direction. You know what I've learned during this story is that uh, Mark Harmon was uh, at one point a very handsome man, not just the silver fox we know today. And in 1986, People Magazine named him the sexiest man alive. Degree? Agree or disagree? Now, to bring this to back to cast iron country, when you bring your cast iron out to the grill, your charcoal grill, <laughs> you want to put your charcoal in a chimney start- starter to uh, you know, really heat those coals up quickly. You know, you can start them out in a pyramid shape, but the the chimney smart starter that's really gonna it's really gonna help you out. 
Now, Chris, do you... Well, what do you use to season your cast iron pan? I don't have a cast iron pan. Uh, and I don't eat steak. Um, okay, well, you don't have however, to eat steak to have a cast iron pan. Yeah, a temp burger, whatever you're doing on there. A temp burger. Um, I don't know if I can really say anything about that. However, I can say that also in 1986, Mark Harmon was on the cover of Playgirl, and he was named Mr. Perfect. So, as always, I would like to direct you to whatsthedealshow.com, where you can check out all of today's show notes. Uh, maybe, 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 maybe now, Chris Young will make you a little picture. I don't know. No promises. Are you going to do it, Chris? <laughs> I, think, I think so, yeah. <laughs> all right. We're going to have a little picture from Chris Young. And, it's not going to uh, have anything to do with Mark Harmon. You'll also see today's other business link. And the show notes will be all about today's episode, The Visa, in which... George starts to date Cheryl, a lawyer who thinks he's funny. Jerry pretends to be not funny because George is insecure. Kramer comes back from fantasy baseball camp having punched his idol. And Elaine is along for the ride. So the episode starts out with a monologue. (laughs) You know, after after this break, we are smooth. (laughs) (laughs) We are just in the groove on this show. That's why you got overcast to cut out those silences. That's right. Are, yeah. you, are, are you using what that? Silences. No, I turned that off right away. No, I, I, I. It's off by default. Well, I tried to turn it on and then turned it back off. You know, I'm using it, and Smart Speed has saved me an extra two hours beyond speed adjustments alone. Hmm. Maybe yeah. I'll try it out again. It, it's good on some on some podcasts. Like I, I think it's bad on the talk show. There's a few shows where it's not good, but there's a couple shows where it's great. Now, this show, if it just blanked over the whole thing and just skipped by it, that would be real smart technology. Mm-hmm. Save our listeners a lot of time. <laughs> Anyhow, this week, uh, tell us about the episode, Patrick. Yeah, the monologue starts with our favorite, lawyer jokes. The joke seems to be, lawyers are real nerds. Uh, what are lawyers? <laughs> Uh, so Jerry says that saying objection is probably the most fun part about being a lawyer. And I think that's largely true, except for the owning a Porsche. Yeah, Mm. I Um, think so. And the the big house and the generally uh, successful lifestyle that comes along with being a successful lawyer. That does seem pretty sweet. But objection is pretty good. I imagine that every time... They roll up to a red light, though, in their Porsche. They go, objection. No, what they do is they look over at the hot babe next to them, pull down the the Ray-Bans, give them a nod, and then uh, peel out of there. Yeah, and then the girl's like, sustained. No, she says overruled. (laughs) (laughs) And she drives away. Um, Yeah, so, I mean... Weak, weak material here. I mean, you can tell the joke is weak because Jerry says, duh, during yeah. the monologue, which instantly mm-hmm. makes it a poor, a poor joke. Yeah, it's really just the whole, the whole build up to this joke. The punchline is just him saying, duh. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. So they're at the coffee shop. George, he's there. He's chatting up an immigration lawyer. Uh, she seems to 
uh, you know, really find George funny, wonders if his friends are funny, and, uh, you know, gives him his card, or gives him her card. Now, who's getting those uh, notifications? Oh, just a sec. Hey, Emily, could you stop making those noises? I wasn't trying. Oh, it's Emily. <laughs> Sorry, Emily. Thank you. It was Jesse. Jesse, stop that. Yeah, Jesse. So, God. the best Can we part... Have one episode that Jesse doesn't ruin? <laughs> uh, so, George's little joke routine with Cheryl here, pretty good. When she says that she's a naturalization lawyer, or some, something along those lines, and George says that, is that teaching immigrants how to act natural? That's a pretty yeah. fast line. That's pretty good. At least that's I thought. True. Like I, I yeah. like that's pretty funny, and that's that's really quick. Like that is beyond George Costanza quick. That is pretty good. Yeah, he's got writers. <laughs> <laughs> he literally does. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So then, you know, the after Cheryl leaves. Uh, the gang arrives, and they all sit down at a table. I just have to say, it's really weird that there's already water at the table. Yes, yes, that's in my notes, too. <laughs> they sit down, and there's three waters just sitting at that table. The scenario that I imagined was that George sat down at, that t- at the booth, said, uh, you know, it's three of us. They put down three waters. He sees the woman at the bar. He goes over and talks to her, and then he comes back. But it's I, really a lot. Of, that's quite a leap to make the continuity make sense here. I feel like I'm meeting them more than halfway on this one. Yeah, I think it's probably just that they took multiple takes, and in one take, the server set down the water, and they forgot to remove it. Also a possibility. Um, so anyway, Jerry spots Babu, and he's doing really well. He's working at the coffee shop. He has an apartment in Jerry's building. Things are looking up for old Babu. But is he doing really well? He used to own his own restaurant. Yeah. Well, he's doing all right. And how does he afford a place in Jerry? Like, Jerry, my understanding, was a successful comedian on, like, The Tonight Show and whatnot. Who's supporting a... Yeah, but, you know, as we'll discover in a minute, Kramer lives in a fantasy. But, uh, you know, Babu's, uh, he's working in a coffee shop, supporting a family... And, you know, he's on par with Jerry on the same floor. The same floor. Maybe he got a rent controlled. True. Jerry really helped him with that. See? Yeah, Jerry does help with some things. We're just filling yeah. in all the gaps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this apartment is like New York TV small, I think. Or TV New York small. So I guess I, my I always thought that Jerry just moved into this apartment and was... Like, there was the episode where he was supposed to move to that really huge apartment with the fireplace. But, because he's successful now, but he never did. Right? So I, I get the impression that this is the apartment, you know, he lived in when he was, you know, still an up-and-coming comedian. That makes sense. You know what's kind of funny? Uh, just a little anecdote about this episode. Uh, so... Babu's working at the cafe, and everyone's like, oh, you're doing so well. Everything's going so great for you, even though that's debatable. So they sent the actor the script, and I should really know this 
the the names. I should prepare these these stories so I get it right. So let's let's find out this guy's name while we're doing it. Yeah, Cameron. God, you're such a Jesse. Um, let's see. Season four, episode the visa. Come on, the visa contest, the visa. All right. So when Brian George received the script, he told he tells this story about him that guy's reading this. Brian George. Brian George. Yeah, he's British. Oh, okay. Still, that seems. He was actually born in Jerusalem. He may be a broad wow. ethnic stereotype, but he is a real. He person. needs to fit that. <laughs> he needs to fit that for me, okay? I can't. I can't. You know. Well, I mean, his character's name is Babu Bot. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> so anyhow, so when he got the script, he was reading it, and he's like, "Oh my god, this is incredible! I'm going to be a regular on this show. Oh. <laughs> I'm living in Jerry's apartment. I'm working in Monks." Awesome. And then, you know, probably a short 10 minutes later, he realizes character gets deported to Pakistan. True. Where's the spoiler horn? Should have should have blown that right there. Uh, yeah, so despite that little story I just told, I don't think things are going well for Babu. It's sad to see him working in there as like a dish monkey after he just owned his own restaurant. Mm-hmm. I do like uh, Jerry's brief synopsis. Uh, which ends in a very nonchalant, and then I ruined his life. Um, so like, while... oh, that boo-boo-bot, that's right, yes. So while Jerry's, uh, you know, chatting with Babu, Elaine and George are speaking at the table, and George is talking about, or was talking about how he was too funny on his first meeting with Cheryl, and now he's in trouble because he can't possibly top himself. I have to say, that idea that men think they have to be funny all the time rings like such a true classic man idea. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because we're not handsome, Cameron. Oh, we man. don't have anything else. Man, would that help me? Yeah. I mean, for guys like you and I, and well, let's face it, George. I mean, George is not only not terribly handsome, he does not have hair. Uh, at least we've got that going for us. And Cameron, I mean, look at Patrick. What a head of hair on there. I mean, Patrick could be the most boring person on the face of the earth with that hair. I am. Fine. Yeah, I know. You're, the, you're such a Jesse. Um, and yet we have to be funny. We've got nothing else. We don't have money. I mean, we do. <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree with Cameron that this is definitely a very irritating perception that a lot of men have. And you can tell, you know, like you'll be sitting somewhere, maybe like, and like the table next to you, there will be a, um, like a first date or something. And you can tell because the guy's trying really hard to be funny. And uh, like us watching this episode, his date is often meeting him way more than halfway, laughing really hard at his obviously terrible jokes that should be falling flat. You know, in a few weeks, she's not laughing at these jokes. <laughs> it's, a lot of, it's a lot of pressure to keep laughing at all those jokes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, he did start out strong. His jokes were, were really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
George is right, though. I think he is doomed. He used all his best material. He's doomed because he's George. I mean, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. I mean, that's really the issue. He just has, you know, he had one brief shining moment where he was kind of doing well. But, I mean, regardless of what uh, happens next, he's doomed. He's still George. Yeah. Well, and rightfully so. George already thinks he's failed. Yeah. Um, and so coming in next, we have Kramer. Or, no, we uh, learn that Kramer is at Fantasy Baseball Camp. camp and uh, George has a nice little bit about how Kramer's already living in a fantasy world. He doesn't need a fantasy camp. Um, sure. I, I like in this bit how Elaine actually laughs at his bit. Like, pretty often someone will tell, like, a bit, especially if it's not Jerry, uh, and no one will laugh at it, even if it's really funny. Like, someone will tell a joke on the show, and it'll just pass by unnoticed. Or Elaine like, will ask if it's a bit. Yeah. Uh, but this is good. I liked it. I like when the characters laugh on screen. Is this a bit? Yeah. <laughs> They also set up this, what at first seems like a really clunky kind of, I guess it seems like a bit, but it's actually just like totally, you know, expository and necessary for the episode. This bit about his mail, which, you know, at first I'm just like, why is this? This is, you know, this is boring, but it just keeps coming back. And it's funny at the very end, but it's a long wind up with this mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a. Uh... It's a big setup on the mail joke. Yeah. It's a real Chekhov's gun. Uh, it is. And like when he does get the mail, uh, it's oh, like eight pounds of mail. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of mail. There seems to be no reason that you would need to have that much mail. No. Like what What does Jerry have? Does he have like I don't know, like 20 magazine subscriptions uh, like ongoing or what exactly? Serial weekly. <laughs> That's pretty good. He's always signing up for uh, sweepstakes, so he gets a lot of junk mail. Yeah. Um, this month in Porsche. <laughs> um, so finally, uh, George, you know, he's gonna, he's talking about taking Cheryl out and date. Jerry suggests they all eat together. George doesn't like the idea. Imagines everyone being way too funny, especially Jerry. He's uncomfortable with the idea. He nixes it. Yeah. Um, so, but also, and also, and also, I should say that um, this little dream sequence thing that uh, they do, the like kind of Wayne's World waviness, is it's one of the more sitcommy things that I can recall them doing. Yeah, I like that George is wearing the exact same outfit on this date, <laughs> like his big orange coat, and everyone else is just kind of in normal attire for eating out. Yeah, it's, it's and all. All he can come up with, he just goes straight to some sort of punchline, just corduroy pants. And he knows that, you know, whatever happened before that was hilarious. He never heard of corduroy. No, never. Hysterical. It's a great joke. Man, what a great show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So next we see George and Cheryl at dinner and Elaine and George end up bumping into them. At Isabella's. Yeah, yeah Isabella's. They're too trendy. Um, so anyway, uh, there's some exposition here. We learned that uh, Cheryl is representing Ping, who is suing Elaine right now, because Ping is her cousin. 
And then George asked Jerry not to be funny. Now, does the car show seem... Well, number one, would you guys go to a car show? If someone asked me to go to a car show, I would probably go to one. Yeah, I've been to car shows. Car shows are cool. Man, there's nothing that sounds less appealing to me than a car show. You gotta look at those weird concept cars. cars. You know that, right? I know it's about cars, but I mean, I've seen cars. Not these cars. Hey, you get to see the new ones. Yeah, the ones that won't ever come out. Yeah, that's. I guess that's the thing. It's like, you know, I love a I love a video game trade show, but (laughs) there's a real world possibility that I'm going to actually use those products when i go to the car show uh unless they're having a car show of cars that are about 15 years old that i might be able to afford in a few years there's really no point for me to be there i just if i if i I, amarin go ahead oh well if i invited you to go to the car show with me because i was excited about seeing cars would you not go with me if you wanted to go i would go yeah well actually is it in montreal (laughs) Uh, assuming we lived in the same city. Okay. I mean, you talk about, like, you know, game shows and stuff, or like, like, gay trade shows and stuff like that. Like, would you be, like, going up to the, the car babes in the bikinis and being like, is this in-game? Because I feel like you did have some sort of problem with everything. What? Yeah. Uh-huh. Why would I have a problem? I don't know. You already have a problem without not even going. It seems just like fun. The video game show? No, the car show. Uh, maybe I'm just not into cars enough. I just, for whatever, a car show doesn't sound that exciting to me. Why would I go up and say, is the car in game? Is it because I'm such a super nerd? Yeah, that was the <laughs> joke. <laughs> that is not a nice joke. Right after you repair your glasses with tape. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would go around and I would probably be like, oh, that's a, like, that's a fancy looking car. But there, there's, some, there's something missing there, right? It's like... Is it gull wings? Because they have those cars. Nah, it, you know, it's, just, it's the same thing. It's like if I watch a trailer for a movie, I'm into that because I could go see that movie. Going to the car show, literally the most I could ever hope is to be at that car show to look at that car then and there. You could like sit in the seat, the like driver's seat of like a Maserati or something, some ridiculous car. But I don't want to just sit in the car. That's like looking at the reel of film. I want to watch the movie. If I can go there and drive these cars, I'm in. Hmm. Um, what if you could afford a nice car? Well, my life would be very different, Chris. <laughs> but maybe like, this so... is where George, Jerry got the idea to buy a Saab. Yeah car show maybe so so elaine and especially george are getting upset with jerry being funny all the time you know they both say he's being funny even when he's trying not to be funny he's being funny um so we we switch to dark jerry (laughs) Uh, pretty good and it's like you see that hold on hold on we skipped right past the part where he's like am i being funny right now am i and that part was hilarious. That was my favorite part of the episode. It it's great when uh, George is like, "You're being pretty funny." Uh, yeah, no, that's a great scene, and it's some, it's some so real Seinfeld time. acting going on. Oh yeah, there. it was great. Yeah, uh, I can see why George is concerned though, because Cheryl would be a big boost 
to honestly i think cheryl would be a big boost to anyone's ego because she's got a great laugh and she's laughing at jokes left right and center sure you know what i mean it's like she would really make you think you're on a roll like man i can't land flat yeah she's a good laugher she's a good plant in your audience yes yes she would be yeah um happy birthday guys no such thing no uh yeah and so that whole uh so cheryl leaves the table and when she leaves the table that's when george tells jerry that he needs to stop being so funny and jerry as chris was mentioning has the great bit about like i could not be funny is this funny what's so funny about this uh he's he's got this whole great thing but when he comes when she comes back and Jerry turns on uh, dark Jerry mode. I actually had to wonder how many takes this took for Seinfeld to keep a straight face to do this. Because mm-hmm. it looks like he's on the verge of laughing the entire time. Uh, which works. It really works with this character because he would be on the verge of laughing the entire time. Uh, that's kind of the genius, actually, I think, of how Seinfeld works for so long before Seinfeld could act in any way or form is that his his inability to act fits in with a ton of the scenes on the show all the time. And this is like the perfect example of that for, I don't know, to me. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I... He, he just kind of barely pulls off um, the, uh, the dialogue here, like him... Him, you know, being so fatalistic and not being funny. Like, he's he's being, like, do you think in this universe he knows he's being unfunny in a funny way? Do you think he's, like, trying to get George and Elaine to laugh at no, uh, how unfunny No, I have to think being? he doesn't. Yeah, I have like, to think this is his best effort to not be funny. Yeah, that he's that he's actually trying to take this seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Because that would be kind of out of character for him, too, I think, to be acting, uh, uh, like, I don't know, uh, dishonestly, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think we have to assume that he's making an earnest attempt to not be funny. And maybe it's just uh, the reason why he's like that is because he just literally does not know how to not be funny. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Anyway, he does a good job. Like we're doing right now. <laughs> Every single week yeah. that we record. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's see. Uh, where, where Okay. So anyway, um, you know, Jerry, you know, he really brings the mood down. Now we're back at the apartment. Cheryl has convinced Ping to drop the case. So Elaine is ecstatic and Kramer's back. And we learn about his little, uh, tussle with, uh, classic, uh, classic Yankees players. Pretty good. Pretty good. He uh, he smacked Mickey Mantle in the face. He just mm-hmm. bops him. Yeah. What is he called? Chin smoke. 
you guys ever gone to uh, some sort of fantasy camp before? No. It sounds no. amazing, though. I went to a fantasy baseball camp when I was a kid. What? Really? Were there, were there baseball players there? Like, real baseball players? There were. Was Mickey Mantle there? He was not. It was... Did you punch him? Yes. Cool. In his absence, I decided to smack him square in the jaw. Cool. Wait, who, who was there? Uh, various members of the Blue Jays. Nolan uh, Ryan? Nolan Ryan did not ever play for the Blue Jays. Jose Canseco? Didn't Nolan Ryan pitch for the Blue Jays? Did he? I thought he pitched for, like, the New York something or another. The Mets? I'm not sure which one. I'm pretty sure he played for the Blue Jays. Well, let's take a look. No, he played for the New York Mets, California Angels, the Houston Astros, and the Texas Rangers. Hmm. Although, strangely, and now this is going to sound kind of crazy... I actually think, so it wasn't just the Blue Jays. There was, like, lots of various sports people there. I actually think Nolan Ryan was at this thing, but I don't think he ever played for the Blue Jays. Also, there was a soap opera actor and a Canadian gold medal swimmer, Mark Mark Tewksbury. Mark Byron? (laughs) Mark Harmon? Why was the swimmer there? What position was he playing? Left field? Uh, forward crawl. Um, so anyway, how was it? No, it was, uh, it was interesting. I was, I was not really that into baseball, so I kind of had no idea who any of these people were. They're just old guys? That's kind of the thing. So it was kind of like... like really good at baseball? Yeah. So it it felt kind of like a wasted, uh, opportunity in some regards. Like, I got to hold Mark Tewksbury's gold medal, but... You know, I it it really didn't feel like much of a thing at the time. Hmm. But I mean, come on, Carlos Delgado. I don't know. He had almost five hundred career home runs. Cool. Yeah, that's not nothing, guys. That is not nothing. Sure isn't. Um so anyway, Kramer's basically he ruins the whole thing. Everyone gets sent home early. So Kramer's home early. Um, and we learned that Babu is taken away by the INS. Because Jerry had their renewal form. It's all Elaine's fault. Uh, so this is where, number one, we see Jerry's massive uh, magazine subscription uh, come in. Uh, and number two... We know what's going to happen here, right? In a, in a few moments, Babu's about to be uh, arrested and taken to some sort of immigration services holding cell. Who is at fault here? Is it Jerry or is it Elaine? Or is it no one's fault? I think it's Babu's fault. Me too. If oh. he's not getting this form, he's got to be telling the INS he hasn't gotten the form. Yeah, like it's a real uh, one-strike policy they've got going on there, eh? Yeah. Get your stuff together, Babu. He could probably even just go by the up. INS office and pick up the pick up the form. Yeah, he could have done this all himself. Yeah, he I think it's he I mean he, I mean Elaine has a little bit of blame, Jerry has a little bit of blame. Mostly it's Babu's fault. Yeah. I agree. He blames I mean, everybody maybe also for the INS. 
maybe also the INS for having such a brutal policy, but uh, yeah. Um, wow. Okay. So, <laughs> so we cut. Everything's falling apart. Jerry's asked for help from Cheryl. Uh, oh wait, no, everything hasn't fallen apart yet. Sorry. We cut and we cut to the coffee shop. Jerry is asking Cheryl for help with his friend, but uh, luckily, she has a friend in the immigration department, and we learn that Cheryl is intrigued that he's a very serious person. Now, I think my favorite part here is when uh, Jerry's pouring the cream into his coffee and she mentions that it's curdled and he says he doesn't care. And maybe the most badass moment that Jerry has in the entire series. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's pretty tough in that scene. Although, did we skip the scene where, where Jerry tells, or where George... Uh, tells Jerry how long it'll be before Jerry can act like. Oh he's... yeah, I'm sorry. Why don't uh, Why don't we go back? Take um, us back, Patrick. Take us back. Yeah. So there's a cut, and George is there. Jerry asks if he can get help from Cheryl. George wants him to keep up the act until he's comfortable. And how long will that be? Consummation. I don't think you have enough material. <laughs> Uh, that whole little scene could have been cut so easily were it not for that one joke, which is yeah. fantastic. It's a really good joke. Uh, Jerry's a real not nice person in this scene. <laughs> like, if that's the sort of zinger that Seinfeld's lumping on his friends, it's a miracle that they've all stayed friends for this long. Well, I mean, I think George kind of deserves it here, right? Like, I think if George were making an honest effort... Jerry would be helping him out, but because he has this grand scheme he's conceived, I feel like Jerry feels free to make fun of him. I guess so. Uh, all right. So anyhow, uh, to Jerry and Cheryl at Monks. Yeah. So turns out Jerry's in luck. Cheryl has a friend in the immigration department, and we see that Cheryl's intrigued that Jerry is a very serious person. Um, this whole scene is pretty funny, and obviously the whole scene relies upon Jerry acting like this bizarre, depressed, straight man. Um, but as kind of like the previous scene, there's that, there's one, there's one joke that's really there, and it's the I don't care line, uh, that Mm -hmm. you mentioned already. The rest of the scene, it's it's funny, it's good, it's weird to see Jerry acting out of character. Uh, although, I, I can't say that I really got the feeling from this scene that Cheryl is actually interested in him. She just seems to kind of respect Jerry's sage-like depression. Do you think it's the cream that, uh, that pulls her over? <laughs> I'm not sure what it is. I mean... The line to the cream is fantastic, and the fact that he goes through with it is so unseinfeldy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the weird punctuation at the end of that scene where she asks him what he does, and he's like, "I'm a comedian," and he suddenly mm-hmm. completely breaks out of the character that he's built, and 
yet still a scene later she says to george like oh i really like jerry he's like disturbed and dark but he's in that one moment she must see his true personality pop out for a second there right yeah i don't know i feel like maybe she i mean either she's like so wooed by uh by you know what he had just mentioned that you know she just glosses over it or we're just supposed to think she's kind of dumb yeah i don't know because i like she doesn't seem dumb at all she seems like a very um i don't know yeah she seems like a very smart person yeah she's the shark yeah she's the terminator yeah yeah that's weird um so we cut to the INS jail which also seems to be the same as Yankee Stadium jail um <laughs> which we see later in the series but uh they're visiting Babu we learned that he never got he was upset that he never got this visa renewal form in the mail Jerry tests up to Babu explains the whole thing you know Babu is rightfully enraged or maybe not rightfully but uh the wheels are in motion um now number one this is the saddest holding cell i've ever seen do you think this is what a real holding cell for immigration looks like just like 70 people in literally a cage kind of no i don't think so i don't think there's just people in a cage chris young what do you think sure i think yes he thinks yes. Boy, you're mm-hmm. uh... Oh, you know what? I just searched for INS detention on Google Image Search. Pretty much looks like that. Doesn't look good, does it? Thanks, Obama. A lot, a lot of cots, a lot of chain link, a lot of sad-looking families. Looks pretty terrible. Um, that's all right. Well, so, aside from that, do you guys not think that Jerry really shouldn't be telling this part of the story? Yeah, I mean, it's only going to upset Babu. Maybe he just feels like he has to get it off his chest, you know, come clean. It's not doing Babu any favors, though. Nope. Uh, yeah, uh, like, and I he... honestly, I know, I know Seinfeld at this point, and... At no point is telling Babu the truth making him feel better. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he would feel... He would feel best if Babu never knew what happened and somehow he just solved the situation. Yeah, that's a good point. It's weird. Yeah, there's no reason to tell Babu, hey, now that you're in jail, guess what? I actually had your phone. Like, just be like, hey, Babu. He would say it just th- like Wait, what that. was that accent? And he would just say it just like that. He's on his porch in the south. In the south, that's right. <laughs> um, no, he he shouldn't. He shouldn't be telling him that part. He'd just be like, hey, Babu, guess what? I have a lawyer for you. Yeah, wheels are in motion. Yeah, we're gonna, motion. I'm going to fix this problem. Yeah. He doesn't really Ask know. him why he didn't just drop by the INS office, pick up a form. <laughs> yeah, he, it out while he's there on a evening afternoon he has off. He should really just throw it, uh, throw it throw in, in Babu's face. face. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, it is weird. 
I mean, it's maybe just to to give Babu a chance to blow up. I mean, that's kind of funny. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, we cut to the coffee shop. Cheryl's breaking up with George. She's very attracted to no, Mary. It's, the, it's, it's her car. Oh, sorry, not the coffee shop. She's in the... Maybe you should do this, Chris. I'm, I'm uh, messing up a lot today. Definitely not. Uh, fine. Cheryl's breaking up with George in the car. She's very attracted to Jerry. He's dark and disturbed. You know, and then George, he just unwinds the whole thing, thinks that's somehow going to work because he's dark and disturbed and obviously messed up. And uh, he's the real catch. Yeah. Uh, You know, Cheryl gets out of there. Yeah, she's not interested for some reason after that. It's kind of sad in a way that George is losing out on this woman because somehow George came across as funny and not his usual, like, neurotic self. That's not why he's missing out on her. He lied to her and, you know, manipulated her. That's that's the problem. Yeah, but if he had just been himself, if he'd been his normal, uh, normal sort of uh, depressed loser, maybe she would have liked him. But he's not depressed in the same way that Jerry's depressed. Like, Jerry is, like, existentially depressed. Sometimes George, George just... is that way. Is he? Yeah. How, when? What does he do? Uh, he doesn't, you know, have any, like, speeches about uh, happy birthday or, you know, all the suffering in the world. He's, he's sad he doesn't have a job or he's living with his parents. Well, I guess, you know, yeah. All right, I'll concede this. Is this. A, this is real, a real narcissistic depression. And Jerry's is, uh, I mean, it's maybe self-flagellating and narcissistic in that way, but it's in a, it's in a much more attractive a brooding kind of depression. Is it? It's like a character in a Bronte novel. Who's a Bronte? Like, you know, like... Are we talking uh, about the Bronte? Isn't it Bronte? Oh, I've always said Bronte. You know, I was worried that we would go an episode without debating the pronunciation of a word. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Sorry you know. not. Like uh, Heathcliff or whatever. Yeah, or uh, what's his name in Jane Eyre? Mr. Oh, Rochester. Mr. Rochester, right. Yeah, brooding. Is this the show? (laughs) Anyway, Cheryl, you know, she wakes up from being fooled by this this whole thing. I mean, I guess George explains it all to her. Bronte. (laughs) Bronte? Huh. You know, they've got an umlaut over that. Yeah. Bronte. <laughs> this is the show. Uh, so Cheryl, she gets right out of there. You know, rightfully so. And uh, this is kind of where it all starts to fall apart, you know. Uh, back at the apartment, Babu's brother's there. He's upset because Babu's gone. We learned that that is because George admits to the breakup. And uh, Kramer went to apologize didn't go well. No, it didn't. And uh, Elaine's going to be sued still. Um, so the whole thing goes over pretty poorly. Uh, and let me tell you, that's Cheryl. She's got a real vindictive streak. Yeah. Uh, I guess. I mean, Elaine did hit her cousin with a car 
and then you know George and his friends manipulated her. I don't I don't know. And why is she gonna call in a favor to the INS for these people? Yeah. Uh, what did Babu He's just do not to share He's in league with these people. He's their friend. Actually, the irony, of course, is that his view on them aligns probably more with hers than, uh, yeah, than his any sort of like loyalty to Jerry in them. Yes, it's just yeah, rich with irony. Babu's tragic mistake was getting you know involved with Jerry and taking Jerry's advice. Cheryl's smart enough to get out. Uh, yeah, I I feel I feel bad for Babu. Nonetheless, I mean, Babu Babu is blameless in this interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? Like, but Cheryl, like she does, she puts the screws on them afterwards, like pretty pretty tight. Yeah, I mean, on Elaine, I guess. Which is funny because Elaine is the one who basically does not lie to her and elaine is probably of the three of them is the one who gets like the brunt of it yeah i mean george loses a girlfriend nothing happens to jerry elaine is about to be sued for twice as much as she was before yeah yeah that's a good point uh and babu's going back to pakistan yeah i mean he's already there Babu's brother is very upset. I have to say, having had both Babu, Babu's brother, and Ping in this episode makes me a little uncomfortable with like the ethnic stereotypes in Seinfeld. You know, just having one of them, you know, you I don't, can I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. You can convince yourself that it, like, oh, he's just an eccentric character. But having all three, I'm a little uncomfortable. No, no, this is a progressive. You know, depiction of, uh, you know, terrorists. Sorry we couldn't have your uh, little whitewashed Seinfeld that you were hoping for, Patrick. But yeah. uh, I know this is part of your war on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when Ping comes to the door to deliver the food, it's like, oh, hey, like... I'm about to see you for even more. They call Cheryl the Terminator. And he says, Hasta la vista, baby, to Elaine. Is the more obvious joke not Hasta la vista, Benes? Is that, does that not seem like what they should have said there? You guys are jerks. You like that? <laughs> I feel like Hasta la vista, baby, may be better. But he he knows her name, Benes. But it's not that close to baby, aside from starting with the same letter. Well, I'll tell you this much: if if he had said uh, if he had said Benes, you'd be all rolling around in laughter still. Since like 1993. Yeah, that'd have been debilitating, Cameron. The ultimate joke. Um. So we got to Babu back in Pakistan. He's going to save up, get back to America, and exact vengeance on Jerry. Like, Babu's kind of, like, unbalanced. Yeah, he seems a little, he seems a little out of it. You know, like, he gets swept up in Jerry's crazy idea to make a 
all Pakistani restaurants. Yeah, I'm. He, I'm, I'm he just does with that you. on the spur of a moment. He, you know, he doesn't bother, you know, inquiring with the INS, even though he knows there's the danger that he could get deported. Now he wants to kill Jerry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to save every like every dollar I make, and when I get back to America, I will get my revenge on him. Yeah, it's he's so uh, bipolar. You know, one minute he's up, the next minute he's down. And when he's up, he's up. And when he's down, oh, he's down. Like, he is he is very, very low when things get rough for him. Yeah. He switches. He turns on a dime. He really does. He seems to be very understanding of everything that Jerry does until he finds out he had his mail. Um, yeah, so that pretty much wraps it up. There's the the last little bit of monologue. Jerry points out that he's for open immigration, so he's now we know he's uh not racist. And uh he just thinks maybe we shouldn't be sp- or the United States shouldn't be so specific that they want the wretched refuse from the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld launches immigration reform. I told you this show was progressive. It's very progressive. Yeah. So, uh, Patrick, what did you think about this episode overall? Mm, it had some good jokes. You know, it had a reasonable story, uh, which I like. But I feel like overall it wasn't super funny, you know. You know, I was mostly just kind of watching it and being mildly amused. I didn't have too many LOLs though. You I minimized mean, LOL your per minute. This this is pretty low. You uh, you minimized your lols. Yeah. Chris Young, uh, I actually liked this episode a fair bit. I laughed pretty hard at uh, like I said that. The part where Jerry said, asking if he was being funny. All the stuff with uh, him trying not to be funny was pretty damn funny. Uh, I liked, yeah, I pretty much liked everything in this episode. It's pretty funny. I'm a friend. I'm a, I'm a fan. I am also a fan of this episode. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. The Mickey Mantle stuff so good. The Mickey Mantle stuff is good. Uh, Jerry's uh, whole being depressed routine, pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely some discomfort that goes along with the uh, portrayal of uh, people of non-white <laughs> backgrounds. Problematic, but, as the kids say. Yes. But overall, pretty funny episode. Pretty yeah. good. Pretty, pretty good. Hey, you know what else is good? Is this a sponsor read? That sounds like that sound like a sponsor read. It's the good people at Hover. Nice. <laughs> or it Wabby is. Parker? <laughs> why don't you do the ad read, Chris? Squarespace. Tell us, uh, Chris. Why don't you tell us about something cool? I got nothing. You know, I don't do the sponsor read. If you go to whatsthedealshow.com, you can check out uh, all the show notes from uh, the various topics we just spoke about. Uh, And, of course, you can check out Other Business. 
And today's other business, uh, you know, goes back a, a few days, but not too far. Uh, you know, it'll hey, be it'll, this on me. it'll be ancient news by the time uh, you all read it. Let's see this. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so today's other business topic is, uh, you know, we like to cover two different sides to the show. We have obviously the fun side. We talk about Seinfeld. We like to have a laugh, uh, and then other business is the sort of spot of the show where we delve into some real hard-hitting issues and so today we are talking about barack obama's tan suit that he wore this Uh, just happened today no it didn't this whole joke yes it is because we're going to be so not topical by the time this comes out we have to at least fake this much of it i know but i I, I, already said it was labor day i was gonna say we've talked about the actual day it is several times i actually said specifically it's september 1st our listeners do not, they don't check their facts. Okay, listen, people, Mike Seeps, Felix, this is, you're listening to this the day we recorded it. We're, you're listening to it live. And also, this joke only happened today. <laughs> so anyhow, Barack Obama wore a tan suit at a White House press briefing that is apparently whenever you're listening to this podcast. I mean, it's just that I know that John Grady knows better. Uh, Dave, it's debatable, but, you know, like the rest of our listeners out in, I don't know, Sweden or uh, Uzbekistan, they they, they don't even have internet yet, so we'll be fine. Um, anyhow, so, the you know what, I basically summed up the entire thing there. Barack Obama wore a tan suit, and people really took offense to his suit. Um, I'm looking at this selection of tweets, where... Uh, people are saying that suit is terrible. Tan suit equals war. Uh, uh, my brother had a good one. He said he got that suit from Puffy. But I- I'm looking at this suit. I'm not actually that offended by his suit. I I, I thought it actually looked kind of sharp. What do you, you guys know, like, think? What do you think about his suit? You know, like like Puff Daddy. We're not calling him that anymore. I'm not going to call him P Diddy. I'm just not. I think a tan suit is fine, you know, in the summer. You know, Washington, D.C., it's quite hot. You know, you're not just going to wear charcoal, black, and gray. Yeah. You know, tan suit, that's all right for the summer. Yeah, no, I I think it looks kind of nice. But if you scroll down the page, I do really like the Photoshop where he is wearing Kramer's Technicolor dream coat. (laughs) Nice. Um, Yeah, I think the tan suit looks nice and this opens up a whole other can of worms because in this thing they law lo- uh they there's a link to toddler core uh which also makes me want to talk about norm core are you guys familiar with these things oh yes I started norm core uh patrick armstrong could you explain to us what norm core and toddler core is actually i don't know what toddler core is but okay. i do know what uh, i started toddler core too why don't you explain toddler core and then I'll explain norm core. I mean, toddler core is, uh, it's a lot of pacifiers. Uh, it's a lot of walking around with crap in your pants, like literal crap. Um, it's a lot of crying. Um, a lot of Disney movies. Um, is toddler core just wearing a onesie? Is that what that is? 
So That's it's part kind of, of it. So it's kind of like wearing onesies. It's wearing very sort of childish, childish prints, um, uh, like and the like cuts of clothing that kids would be more likely to wear. So I just sent you guys uh, a link to is that is that an example off of salon.com is that uh what's her name you know uh achy breaky hard daughter uh my cultural references are outdated um miley cyrus is that miley cyrus i don't think so okay did she start toddler core i feel like she did i don't think she did i'm pretty sure i know these things I feel like rompers and stuff have been kind of around for a little while, you know, and I feel like maybe now there's just a word to describe the, the like deliberately like juvenile trend. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, the so I, you know, I want to say I didn't do a lot of research on this before we started the show, but I believe that it's just kind of reaching a uh, cultural uh, zenith. Like I feel like Hannah Ho or Hannah Hobart. Did you hit the character... bell at Zenith? I hit a ba- I hit a cup. But I feel like the Hannah Hobart character in Girls. I feel like she's maybe she's like maybe an icon of the co- toddler core. Who the heck is, is Hannah uh... Hobart? Is she the main girl? In yeah, Girls? the main character, uh, Lila Lena Dunham's character. God, we're so we're just on top of culture these days. <laughs> In our show yeah. from the early '90s, remember we remember when we used to talk about the dresses like this, the fashions on Seinfeld. God, how we've evolved! I mean, we've broken the one rule that I have for this show: no killing people, no saying "core." <laughs> uh, no, you you may or may not be aware that I feel like Lena Dunham is my enemy. Uh, Why is she your enemy? I don't know. I've uh, it was a very arbitrary decision, but uh, I've decided that for whatever reason, uh, in this scenario, I'm Batman and she's the Joker. So you're not gonna kill her? No, that's my other Good. one rule, but only in my Batman mode. I do, I, I googled toddler core, toddler core, and I'm getting a lot of like athletic equipment. And you get one word. Yeah, I I because when I had it as two words. Uh, I got toddler core exercises, which makes me think, who's making their kids do sit-ups? I feel like toddler core isn't really, like, as much of a trend as, like, norm core is. Which brings us to norm core. Uh, Well, so wait a minute. Chris Young, uh, what's your feeling on toddler core? Um, You know, wave of the future. (laughs) Obviously. Well, would you wear, like, a onesie? I'm wearing uh, a onesie right now. Would you wear it out in public? I'm in public right now. Chris Young. Yeah. You're a monster. Yeah, I know. Patrick Patrick Armstrong, what's your what's your feeling on uh toddler core? I feel like it's kind of like a summer, like super casual trend. So I I think it's fine. I think anything goes in the summer basically. Would you wear a onesie in public? No. I'm not wearing it. I feel like it's mostly for women. No one told me that. <laughs> so normcore norm? is when, you know, okay. you walk in to your favorite bar and <laughs> everyone says your name and you're like, core. I'm not going to lie. I was 
dying to make a cheers joke and you ruined it. You mean I you mean I beat you to it? Probably. Uh, yeah. Patrick Armstrong, what is normcore? It's uh when people <sighs> I think they're dressing in very average clothing, maybe like un like unpretentious is the goal. I don't know. Clothing to be like a counter to regular like fashion like the regular like fashion look. Yeah. So try to wear like very bland clothes, maybe like clothes uh like dad would wear, you know, like socks with sandals, like uh maybe sweatpants, track pants, grays. You know, just very bland clothes that uh, shouldn't stand out. But, you know, they tend to be, like, executed in such a way that, uh, that you know, you're definitely standing out. Uh, well, you're not supposed... Like, I don't think you're supposed to stand out. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Because it's like wearing, like, a hoodie and jeans. That's yeah, normal. That's not normal. Ju- it's not just a hoodie and jeans. It's like... A deliberately like unfashionable hoodie and like it'll be maybe like a way too big hoodie with like the sleeves rolled up or something, you know. So are you trying to say that I am not normcore? No, I mean I think maybe Larry David is closer to normcore than uh, than you are. I was kind of hoping that for once I was on trend just by wearing normal what I perceive to be normal clothes. I feel like, like normcore has to be deliberate. You mean like you just like be... all of the people that just had no interest in fashion were just pretty sure that at some point fashion was going to come around to them? I think it has to be a person who is very interested in fashion, who has decided that they're not interested in fashion, deliberately dressing as a person, as how they perceive a person who is not interested in fashion dressing. You know... I typed in Normcore into Google Image Search, and there's a lot of pictures of Seinfeld coming up. <laughs> <laughs> and Larry David. Uh, wow, that's really, that's really odd. I think odd. the person dressing as they think Jerry Seinfeld dressed in 1993, that would, uh, that would qualify. Yeah, it does just kind of look like 90s clothing when yeah. I type this in. And I, I mean that in a bad way. Because I'm looking at these fashions in men. 90s. Uh, Chris Young, Normcore. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Uh, that's awesome. Chris Young, what are you doing over there? Tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm tweeting about Normcore, to be fair. Be in the moment, Chris. People have waited. In the moment. People have waited all summer for this. I know. This is what they wait for. This is the show. Is this the show? We're gonna start See, soon, right? We're gonna put in the show notes a link to a New York Times trend piece, which I tend to be against uh, in principle, in general. But uh, if you look at these people that they have as examples of normcore, they're all. Attractive women, and you can see like someone's wearing like a a Taz sweatshirt, you know, with the uh, leggings and 
shoes that match the tongue of Taz. <laughs> Uh, you know, like that's a very shoes deliberate that stuff. match the tongue of Taz. That's gonna yeah. be an episode title. Uh, you know, there's this woman here wearing like a Adidas jersey, but you know, it's tucked into a dress. You know, it's 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 deliberate. You know, there's you're not just you know your standard like slob on the street qualifying as normalcore. <laughs> it's uh, a very complicated, <laughs> ironic. Like, like postmodern trend, I think. Wow, we are really bringing the, uh, I don't know, the diction of this show up. Well, we're bringing the dick up. Please don't, See? please don't say that. I just did. Do we have a bell or not? We need a bell. I'll, I'll put. <laughs> huh? Huh? There we go. Yeah. So, uh, next week, we are going to be looking at The Shoes, episode 16 of the fourth season, uh, written by Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, And in The Shoes, Elaine tries to stop Jerry's ex-girlfriend telling everyone about her new shoes. Uh, Jerry and George have their television pilot shelved uh, after George takes a look at at a 15-year-old's cleavage. And that's really the whole episode. <laughs> All right. Um, it's a great episode. I'm looking forward to it. It's it's nice to be back. Isn't it nice to be back? It feels good, like a pair of Normcore shoes. It really does. It, I was starting to feel uncomfortable having not recorded an episode for so long. You know, I felt like what was happening was that every time I was talking to Chris, he was paying attention to me it's nice to be recording a live show where chris stops paying attention to send tweets (laughs) i know right (laughs) (laughs) oh man and you know to be fair we had we heard you listeners we saw the tweets you sent us about getting our our act together getting the show going and you know it's just part of the the funky adventure uh, of listening to this show is realizing when we will and won't be listening or recording episodes. So let's see. People who tweeted us during our break, uh, you know, uh, David Ellison. Nice guy. I met David Ellison once. Is that right, Patrick? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he the guy that runs uh, Oracle? It's... I feel like we should have more more listeners with that guy's in our camp. He's too busy out uh, on his sailing ships, you know, winning competitions. Well, you know, he's got to have a crew on those ships. I'm sorry, Get he's running. He's running it. Oracle. Yeah. No, no, you're thinking of Larry Ellison. Don't tell me what I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, and obviously, you know, Felix, Julius Dean, all those good guys, Mikey Seeps. Uh, thanks for sticking with the show. Uh, now. A little bit of follow-up. Time for a little FU right here. Uh, So Felix sent us a tweet on August 12th, and he said, quote, uh, Been able to listen again now after a while. Love episode 50. On episode 51 now. Bit sad they forgot my hometown, though. Is it Sweden? uh, Here's your chance to correct the problem. 
Chris Young. Yeah. What is Felix's hometown? Uh, Reykjavik. Pretty sure he's roommates with Bjork. <laughs> he's mentioned it before in tweets. Well, he's going he to... Says, he says that she's loud in the shower. He's going to continue to be uh, sad. Patrick Armstrong, what yeah. is Felix's hometown? Hmm. Norcoping? Norcoping is correct. What? I could hardly hear you typing. You made that up. I was actually trying to type into like Cactus Park into <laughs> Google, but the, I couldn't find it. But it just it just popped into my head right at that second. Carl Johans Park is the name yeah, of the Cactus Carl Park. Carl Johans Cactus Park. It's a very unsafe park, but it's beautiful. Mm. Uh, so they replant those every year. It's very beautiful. They have to. They couldn't survive the harsh winter. Probably take them into a greenhouse or something. Well, that would be less wasteful. So just leaving them there to die. Uh, as always, I would like to encourage you to go to whatsthedealshow.com, check out all the show notes, check out the other business, how about some back episodes. Maybe you're a new listener and you're thinking, wow, this was pretty good. I wish I could listen to 53 more episodes of this. Uh, guess what? You can. What else can people do, uh, maybe if they want to get a hold of us, Patrick? Well, you can uh, follow us on Twitter. We tweet at WTD Show. Uh, we're also on Facebook. If you're into Facebook, you go to facebook.com slash what's the deal show. You can friend us, star our tweets, like the episodes. I mean, all the episodes, they're posted on both of those. So if you want to follow the show, it's a good way to do it. I would follow the show. Yeah. Uh, Chris Young, followers. is there something else people can do to help out? Oh, there sure is, Cameron. We have, you know, you can you can help rate our podcast. Uh, rating our podcast helps. Our podcast follows the standard uh, podcast rating system, which is, of course, the uh, Mark Harmon television show rating system. Lowest score you can give us would be an NCIS, while the highest would obviously be a Chicago Hope. Um, you know, if you feel like giving us a bit of a middling score, we'll take a we'll take a stand elsewhere. We'll take a bit of a jag, you know. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, uh This is all right. I know. <laughs> I get uh, so, you know, with that that being that, uh please stay t- <laughs> if if you're interested as always. <laughs> People know there's an after show, right? Do you think people know? What? There's an after show? I didn't know we had an after show. We always have a little after show. Oh, you mean after the little music? That's right, after the music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, listen to the after show. Sometimes, it's, where things, it's where things get blue. Sometimes it's short, sometimes it's long. And, uh, you know, I would say stay tuned today. So, as always... Uh, a hearty thank you from myself, Cameron Wong, as well as the two great guys, first from Montreal, Mr. Patrick Armstrong, Bunny. and the man going back to Toronto, Christopher Young. Uh-huh. Bye. Uh, thank you very much, and we will be with you again next week, unless, of course, we're not. So, did you guys listen to The Incomparable this week? No, uh, no, I didn't. So this week's incomparable. Is it Toy Story this week is uh, 
part of a two to three parter Star Trek extravaganza. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, no, I didn't get a chance to look at that though. I didn't What's see Star Trek on it though. He is not on it. Oh, he so doesn't like Star Trek. So? <laughs> uh, so, let me ask you guys. So, I've got, uh, I'm looking at their notes here. I'm going to ask you guys uh, to kind of fill in on some of these things here. We'll go uh, to one of the first obvious ones right here. Who do you believe to be the best character in the Star Trek universe? Can I, can I object to this line of questioning? No. On the grounds that this is prime show material. Why are we putting this in the after show? Well, you gotta stay tuned. You gotta stay tuned. Alright, well... my It's a cliffhanger then. Because my answers won't come until the real show. What? Why would we, we do this in the after show? No one's listening to the after show. They listen to, I just told them to listen to the show. They're listening. People don't even know there's an after show. They know. They don't. This is the show. We can't put this in the show. This isn't the show. This is the show. This is the after show. Chris Young, who is your favorite entire Star Trek universe? Uh-huh. We can we can rehash this on the show if you want, but this I'm asking you now. All right. Well, I mean I think it's Barkley, only... right? No, it's not Barkley. <laughs> I think the only choice in terms of, you know, uh effective bold uh, you know, uh, uh, daring and brave Star Trek captains uh, would have to be Alan Ruck's character in Star Trek VI. Duh. Why won't you take this seriously? Wait, no, it was, it was generation. Sorry. Uh, Captain Harriman. Yes, Captain Harriman. The yep. one we all remember. Well, he's the one who says, uh, go to warp, and then the warp drive, like, explodes, and Kirk falls into the ribbon thing. I mean, it was a problem. I'm not sure whose idea it was to put Cameron from Ferris Bueller in charge of a starship, uh, but, you know, winning idea. And Star Trek Generations, what a good, good, what a high point of the series. Well, I tell you this much, right after that happened... When he goes and smashes off the glass in the odometer to try and roll it back by hand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it will drive the Enterprise home backwards. Was, was a great scene. Was a great yeah. scene. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, I guess that's Chris's favorite character for some reason. This is his one chance to address it on the show, so we'll just leave it at that. Patrick, uh, what's, what's your pick? Top character. Hmm. You know, I've been mulling it over as Chris was just talking shit, and... He really is. Like, I don't understand what his problem is, quite frankly. I I don't know. Like, maybe... Maybe Khan? Khan? Wow, <laughs> I find Khan quite intriguing, you know? You know, he's genetically engineered. He has this uh, thing, you know, he was in that episode of the original series and a whole movie centered around him. A whole single movie. You know, he's... Indian, but played by a uh, Hispanic man. What? He's Indian. Uh, let me tell you this right now. Benedict Cumberbatch is neither Indian nor Hispanic. <laughs> Not Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, Ricardo Montalban. Yes, I know. It's a little, little bit of Star Trek humor for you there. Mm. You know, he's, I guess, wearing brown face in the original series. It's, uh... Really? I just thought he was tanned. Legit. 
No, that's definitely brownface. Oh, that's you know. Well, Star Trek was a progressive show too. Um. Yeah, that's, that's so a was, that's a great pick, but you got to stop typing. Oh, yeah, you sorry. definitely have to stop typing. But yeah, I uh, I think that's probably that's probably got to be my pick. Um, that's a good pick. Now I think. There's an obvious pick, and I, I feel like you just have to go with the obvious pick, right? You just got to take the, the obvious Is pick. Is it Kirk? No, it's not Kirk. It's got to be Picard. It's got to be Picard. You can't choose anyone but Picard. I mean, Picard's very wise, but he doesn't have, like, a real, like, tragic flaw, you know? He has everything. He has a tragic flaw. He's, yeah, he's bald. <laughs> He's like he's alone. He's gonna die alone. Oh, that's true. He has like nothing, and he puts his whole life is the ship and the Federation. Yeah, that's I a mean, good point. Cameron, Patrick, did you ever even watch Star Trek? <laughs> um, Chris Young, do you want to uh, insert a serious uh, pick into this? Uh, no. Okay. Are you? Because I'm going to keep going with this list for like I, I, a few I, I, minutes. I can't, I can't keep doing this. I got I to gotta get go. This is, what do this you is... mean you got to go? What do you, what I, do you I, gotta I, I, do? I got to do? I got things to do. I can't keep talking about Star Trek for like forever. This will go on forever. Why are we doing this in the after show? Because, well, are you telling me you would have just kept doing the show if I hadn't ended the show? You would have just well, talked the, about you, this you, the whole usually, night? Usually the after show is, is, is not, you know, it's not half an hour. This is, this is a long conversation we're going to be into. Well, maybe we can do this next week. This is what I'm saying. This is all what right, I'm saying. Well, well, this can be a preview, and next week we'll do all these yeah. questions. Cliffhanger, you know, best of both worlds style. Well, then Chris should put in one serious answer. Well, okay, because we're, we're not going to re- we're not going to review this one question. All right. Well, then my serious answer is, of course, Picard, because anyone says otherwise is dumb. <sighs> <laughs> what about the Kirk defenders? You mean Justin and this other guy Patrick? I've heard of no. They didn't. <laughs> Did but Patrick didn't even pick Kirk. So what? Why are you picking? I feel like Pic- he was. I feel like he was picking Kirk. He picked Khan. Yeah, but that was his joke pick. No, that's a real pick. How is that a real pick? But my Captain Harrington is not a real pick. Because he's not even a real. He's like doesn't have any backstory. Doesn't have anything. Oh, that's that's BS. <laughs> You tell us why you uh, why you like uh, Picard. Uh, he's the best, and he was the one on on TNG. This isn't rocket science. This is the best. Plus, he's so sexy. What do you got against Khan as a pick? What do I have against Khan as a pick? You guys are trolling me. I picked Picard. Yeah, I know, but we- you're still you're st- still a troll. It's a big troll. How is this a big troll? Because I know a troll when I see it. Because I picked Captain Harrington, and you guys were all like, oh, that's not a real pick. And then Patrick's like, Khan's my favorite captain? I didn't say favorite captain. Most interesting character. Yeah, we just said best character. No, this is about best captain. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I thought this was best captain.